I'm what? Right? Oh god. <clears throat> I mean, good afternoon, campers. I know we're all excited for the low shoulder concert tonight. I know I am. But before you all head down to the carousel responsibly to enjoy this show, a few announcements. First, has anyone seen Ahmed? He's been missing for. Whoa. Jeez, <laughs> three days now? Wow, uh, his parents are going to be so mad. Anyway, uh, we need a few volunteers to clean the pool. It is truly disgusting. And finally, tonight's mess hall dessert is... Lime green jello, yum. Am I right? I am right. <laughs> and you're doing great, Chris. You got this. They respect you sooner or later. Man, <laughs> you really gotta find Ahmet. That is a big problem. Oh, what? I'm still on? God damn it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bunk 237, the horror movie podcast that uh, absolutely takes place in a 100% real camp that we are all <laughs> at right now. Um, <laughs> I am Robin Zlotnick, one of your hosts. And I'm Tuyet Nguyen, the other host. And our guest today is... LA-based musician, writer, and artist, Talene Kali, who also does, uh, very kindly provided the outro music uh, for this podcast that we are absolutely in love with. We, like, all yes, listen to so it, <laughs> and it's so perfect. Welcome, Talene. Thanks for being Hi! Here. What's up, guys? As you know, today we are talking about Jennifer's Body. Very excited. This movie was directed by Karen Kusama, who is a very cool director, who also brought us um, The Invitation, another wonderful horror movie. Um, it was written by Diablo Cody of Juno fame, of young adult fame, of United States of Terra fame, of lots of things that you know and love. It stars Megan Fox, Amanda Seyfried, uh, Adam Brody, and like weirdly a bunch of other people who just show up randomly for very small bit parts. Um, the movie came out in 2009, but it was uh, woefully mismarketed and uh, underappreciated at the time and has since become a feminist cult classic. Um, in it, Megan Fox plays Jennifer Check, a popular high school cheerleader who gets brutally murdered by some very evil indie band dudes and comes back to life as a man-eating succubus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the succubus as a movie monster so much. Like it it's is great. Like when that is revealed, that is my fucking it's favorite. It's so good. As as we know, as the movie has sort of gained popularity, it's it's become known as this in some ways revenge fantasy for all kind of awful dudes who have abused their positions of power to uh, mistreat women, which is something that we will definitely talk about later. But um, I don't know about you guys, but I, although I've been aware of the conversation around this movie for a very long time, 
I saw it for the first time two days ago. <laughs> so I'm wondering if you guys saw it in 2009 when it came out, what your perceptions were of the movie at that time, 11 years ago now. Wow, it was more than a decade ago at this point. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I think it's easy to tell that that movie is from 2009, though, when you watch it. Truly, yeah. It was so different, though. <laughs> Everything was so crazy. Let's, can we talk about Low Shoulder? Can we talk about this band? Because <laughs> how ridiculous. Douchebags. <laughs> oh, my God. But how good are they at being those, like, that band? Like, yeah, man, like, that guy was, like, he had, like, some gum in his mouth. He kept chewing, like, up, like, up until, like, up until the first verse or something. And, like, th- that was, like, my, like, fucking Adam Brody, like. <laughs> he nailed spit, it. Spit, spit it out right before the second verse. I was, like, what are you doing? If I saw you in real life, I would walk right out of this bar. <laughs> like, before it even burned, before it even started burning. <laughs> But in 2009, would you have been a little, little charmed? <laughs> you know, I'm trying to think. No, no, no. You are a better person than me. I feel like I would have. <laughs> I totally would have fallen for it. I, I, like, I would have too. Because one, Melody Lane, that bar, I've been to that bar. <laughs> I have. Oh, yeah. I have seen shows at that bar, I have been served When Chip is like, underage. everyone there has a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I saw it around the time that it came out. I was in college, I guess, 11 years ago. Um, I saw it uh, around that time. And I remember, I actually didn't, I liked it, but I didn't think that much beyond it, to be honest. Looking back now, I can appreciate it a lot. Seeing how it was sort of mismarketed is so unfortunate for it, because I love it now. I think it's so good. How about you, Talene? Did you see it when it came out? I didn't. I didn't. Um, But I always, you know, it was definitely in my cultural consciousness because of the whole lyrics, you know, the whole reference. And I always wondered about it. And it wasn't until a few years ago it started coming into broader conversation, like feminist conversation, right? Yeah. And it was on my radar. I was like super curious about it. And I watched it last night for this, actually. Uh, Same thing. I I had sort of um, known the the conversation around it and been like, I need to watch this movie. And then just didn't for like two years. Yeah. Same, same. Yeah, I was so I was so curious when the whole song was going to play, too. I was just like, it needs to be in the, it has to be in the movie. It can't not be. It's like such a direct reference. Absolutely. I think, and it came out the perfect time right at the right end. Right at the end. I was like, you made me wait. And it was so worth the wait. So perfect. So good. Like, That's so funny that you were watching the whole movie. I was. And it came right at the end. I think that I'm kind of glad that I that I watched it now. I think similarly to, to yet, I'm not sure that I would have appreciated it back in 2009. I think I probably fell for the whole, like, Megan Fox is a vapid, like, you know, sex symbol thing. And I think I was a little too cool for Diablo Cody and Juno. Like, I think the thing about Juno, I, I remember seeing it in theaters and liking it. And then as people were <laughs> started to shit talk, and I was like, yeah, it was kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I feel like the same brainwashing of it, where I was like, but it wasn't. It was actually really, it's great. Um, And Jennifer's, like, the writing um, and sort of the idea that, like, teenagers are supposed to talk a certain way in movies is, like, I mean, they're movies. There's There's no, like, actual dialogue in a movie that's accurate to the way people talk like i t- i right, right. talk like a fucking dummy you know <laughs> like, <laughs> but as a writer i wouldn't want to like read that on a page or actually like see how people talk in real life in a movie especially teenagers what i don't want to know what real teenagers talk like. <laughs> yeah plus have you ever talked to like have you ever talked to a teenager like in recent times yeah. like that you haven't been talking to on the reg it's like it's like there's just new there's new anything. shit or not even a teenager just somebody one generation away from you like it's like okay I have to decode this by like I don't know how many layers and then like I'll hopefully get what you mean without like rolling my eyes to the back of my head like <laughs> right so and that's how I felt I that's how I felt when I was watching some of Jennifer's body but in a good way in a like campy there were some you know, really like, quotable lines in this in this movie so that I really enjoyed me too the sort of the fake teen dialogue was very funny I really liked uh how often they referred to like uh their periods tampons vaginas like when they call each other like monostat or whatever oh yeah they call each yeah, other monostat yeah. and vagisil <laughs> Which is like incredible because I just don't I don't think that like teen movies featuring uh, like teenage girls use that kind of language then and I don't think I mean I don't even know if that's something that is happening now but I love how they just do it with such reckless abandon and I love that the two teenage girls were portrayed in a way that like as a former teenage girl I could relate with because they're like they're sexual they're not virgins they're curious. They like, you know, they have this really strong bond, but they're also a little competitive and jealous. They're oh, yeah. lonely, you know, but like, I like that they're not like so vapid or necessarily based upon their relationships with like the men in the movie necessarily. Um, and like, there's something about the fact that they are just actively having sex and like, like teenage girls do that I really appreciate that and they're not weird about it they're not like trying to lose their virginity right or they're not shy about it and I really yeah. just, I thought that was great it's cool that um the fact that Jennifer is not a virgin is what brings her back to life yeah. and oh hell her. yeah hell yeah <laughs> it really upends so all the horror tropes very very cool I also love that she's also not a backdoor virgin <laughs> <laughs> right which <laughs> is so like I feel like that is the sort of like teen representation that we need (laughs) is like (laughs) I truly did like the the female friendship part of this movie uh, was I think I think it deserved more screen time and more like oomph because it's so good and it's so um it struck very real like a, a very real chord with me like in terms of like you have these friends that you've been friends with forever and like what do you have in common anymore like you're you know you've kind of gone on different paths but you're still you still go to school together every day (laughs) so you know you're still like hanging out all the time um but you have this like weird competitive streak with each other and i think like um 
the kiss scene, if we want to talk about that, is like the all like the manifestation of all their like issues just coming to the to the forefront. This made me think of my best friends when I was younger. They lived like one girl lived across the street and the girl lived like caddy corner to me and I was like, I think those are like my first crushes. You know, like these relationships that were like like so strong and romantic but not like sexual necessarily and just like all of that coming up like I think through this movie and like showing how um affectionate women can be with each other when they're younger in a way that's not like fetishizing it or like you know um that but in a way that's very sweet and romantic and I really liked I really liked that I thought that was nice (laughs) and I and I hated how that was turned like that kind of scene was turned on them in the marketing and in the promotion of the movie as being like that scene was why they marketed it to like teenage boys versus trying to find the audience that it was intended for which was like young women totally totally it really that part that hurts my heart because this is such a girl movie like it's so (laughs) clearly for young girls That like it totally is. <laughs> yeah, and they're competing, but they're also like they also love each other and they're they also are very tender. I mean they I mean, even at the end after she gets stabbed, she like asks for her tampon. <laughs> for yeah, her, yeah. For her fucking stab wound. <laughs> that was so that was so funny to me. And then she was like, Oh, I thought I thought you were on your period. Like I thought you were plug. What's the word she used? I thought you were plugging. Yeah, I thought you is- were totally plugging. God, I love that line. <laughs> I think my favorite line from that scene is, "She's just hovering. It's not that impressive." Oh God, <laughs> that is so perfect. Because there's something about that when you're competitive, when you're like a little bit competitive yes. with another girl, and even if, especially in that age when you are kind of like tender with your friends but also like as you're kind of like growing going through puberty and like some of your friends are growing quicker than you are maybe um like how you get that weird competitiveness and that like that little bit of snark like even at this incredible feat where she's right. flying in the <laughs> she's air flying through the air <laughs> <laughs> um and i think too the whole thing about how needy um, sort of has these visions of what Jennifer's doing and, you know, these demon things that really speaks to, like, the depth of their connection, whether they want to or not, you know? Right! I was like, how are they linked? Like, what was the, like, like, can I have an explanation? Is it just, is it just their friendship link? Is Are they linked through their BFF necklace? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> I need to know. What's the tea? There's that, there's that little, there's that quick flashback scene, right? When they're in the sandbox and right. she sucks, right. her, she sucks her blood, which I guess that, I don't know. I guess if you ever did that in your life, you're just blood sisters forever. <laughs> we all, I, I feel know. like, I don't know. I did that. That's, yeah. Do you get yeah. psychic visions from your friends that you did that with? No. Have <laughs> I love how they I love how they set up like the the homoeroticism right from the beginning too. Like I Ooh, I will yeah. say I've never heard the word gazebian 
ever <laughs> in my life until last night when I watched the movie. That's a great word. I like the, I think in the early scene, she also, she also calls her, she says something like the the extra character set calls her um, when they're waving to each other at the prep rally. And uh, she calls her, oh my God, you're totally like lesbian gay or something. Oh, the, okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it's lesbian. I thought it was gaysbian. Gaysbian is like <laughs> Les- pretty good though. Lesbian gay. They're both good. Yeah. yeah. They're both really good. Yeah. It's got to be one of them. Yeah. <laughs> we'll use the other one in the sequel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. There should have been a sequel, right? I actually watched an interview today with, um, it was, I think, an ET interview of Megan Fox and Diablo Cody. <laughs> Um, interviewing each other about this and Diablo Cody was sort of like yeah I could totally do it <laughs> she's like she kind of wants to do it as a TV series ooh um, that'd be great as a TV series now yeah yeah right um, and I don't know exactly when the interview was taped but at the time she was like no one is interested <laughs> <laughs> But maybe, maybe now that we're doing this podcast, <laughs> the studios, <laughs> the powers that be in Hollywood yeah. will <laughs> They're gonna, see that it's, it's time for a, it is absolutely a Jennifer's Body sequel or TV show. <laughs> right? Oh my God. And what the soundtrack would like, I feel like it would be all like punk, like femme queer bands. Oh my god! Yeah, it would be so good. Because <laughs> it yeah, would, you'd be so good. Yeah, it, it really was. I, like I feel so bad for everyone who was involved with this movie <laughs> because they did not get a fair shake at all. And um, I I read several interviews with with Karin Kusama and Diablo Cody who said that it really was a case of mismarketing, and they did several focus groups and stuff where. They brought in um, audiences that were either fans of Juno, <laughs> so like not maybe the target audience of this movie, and then or like frat dudes, you know, who just wanted to see boobs. Ah, uh. <laughs> and it's just so unfortunate. And I think they tried their hardest to explain what this movie actually was at the time. Um, and that just didn't get through to studio people. Right. And then on top of that, the sophomore slump. And then on top of that, like I was thinking like tonally too, like going from ultimate twee and moldy peaches, like soundtrack to something so, so, you know, gory and like, it's like a different sound too. And it's a whole different mood. Yeah, people like when you do one thing and they don't want you to try anything else. <laughs> like, after you... Sucks. Yeah, it does. Sucks, uh, And yeah. some people didn't even like when she did that one thing, <laughs> you know? Right, they right. They were going into it, like, ready to hate it. Yeah, I think that was... No, what were they doing? Just, like, hate-watching it? Assholes? Right? <laughs> I think they were, right? I think that people... I think it, it seemed like it was so trendy to not like Diablo Cody. Right. God, that's and so ugly. She also like yeah. got I mean, I know she got I think a lot of shit or at least it was brought up often in conversation how she like was a stripper and she wrote that blog about it and then wrote that book about it. But it was sort of I think in that time period that was like the thing that everyone liked to bring up in every interview was like, So you used to be a stripper and it's like she also wrote this like Oscar winning screenplay, which is yeah. I think her first screenplay too. Along with all of the 
big feminist stuff and the teenage girl stuff and the relationship stuff, it was also a horror movie. And I think it like had great suspense and jump scares and gore. Um, and I like that it opened with like the insane asylum and then sort of like wrapped up that story. Like that created such a good tension of like w- how she got to that point. And I think right. like that's just like basic horror movie plot building, which I really, which I thought was great. I agree to yeah, And I love how it all culminated at the end with, with the timelines converging and her, her thirst for revenge. Yeah. yeah let's uh quickly talk about uh all the fine actors who have bit parts in this movie jk simmons what that might have been my favorite role of his ever as the hook-handed teacher (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's really good and he was so i mean he was in such few scenes but so subtly like fuck yeah jk simmons (laughs) yeah and i feel like he is always sort of that like badass kind of like guy in charge you know but in this movie he's such like a soft midwestern <laughs> man did you like how long his hair was i loved how long yes his hair was. <laughs> and like he had a hook and like a scar on his neck kind of for no reason but i was also like maybe did he get attacked by a succubus at one point in his life oh that's interesting why does he have a hook hand right Maybe it's part of the town's history. Yeah, they didn't really go into like the fact that this town is maybe he stuck as it hell, in, the, right? in the waterfall. Yeah, <laughs> yep. He just stuck. He stuck it. And got, <laughs> got sucked up. I also I screamed when Amy Sedaris <laughs> was Me too. on screen. Me too. I was so excited. <laughs> that was so cool. Yeah, she was such a cool mom. Like and like as like acting as a mom, just like so perfect. Um, another really small minor, but like incredible role yeah it was it's a it was a funny one because adults were like so absent for so much of the movie i was like where are these people's you know parents like needy is like mopping up (laughs) jennifer's like giant projectile puke pile i was like where's where are her parents like they have to be asleep in the house right did they not hear that (laughs) and then amy sadaris came on screen and i was like oh this is wonderful it was excellent I thought it was very fun when Chris Pratt showed up just in the yeah. bar. <laughs> oh yeah, he was he was in it for like maybe a minute or two. Yeah, like yeah, pre everything that ever happened in Chris Pratt's pre life. Pre everything think. that ever happened, but also the perfect role as like the sleazy wannabe cop. Right, right. I also liked Chip a lot. I know he was like a I guess next level. But he was such yeah. a fun high school boyfriend. And I like that he was sort of also, even though he was like kind of important, he was inconsequential. Like, when he died. Right. Um, he was like sweet, though. <laughs> and his line when they're having sex <laughs> and she's starting to scream. <laughs> and and he just big? gets like this wild look in his eyes. Like, he's so excited that he might be too big. <laughs> that was so like grossly accurate to the way that a teenage boy it was such a performance too from johnny simmons that actor yeah. like that was it was so <laughs> perfect and it being juxtaposed you know with like the other scene of jennifer just like you know ripping that boy apart or whatever and like um, oh my god right so violent yeah. 
and so violent. When Chip's face, when like, um, when Needy is like, is sort of like groaning and it sounds pleasurable kind of. And he's like, he's like shaking his head like, yeah, I am doing so that. Proud. And he's so proud. I was dying of laughter. It was just like, I was like, I think I've been there. <laughs> like, this is too funny. And he's so sincere when he's so worried about how big he is. <laughs> Like, babe, this this has nothing to do with you. <laughs> this is a weird lesbian gay horror connection. <laughs> oh man, which made it just even that more perfect. Yeah, yeah, like, dudes, truly. You literally do not matter right now. <laughs> um, poor dude. Yeah, but we also have to talk about Megan Fox's performance because she's so good. Yeah, wow. She does not get enough credit for, like, I, I think it's a hard thing to uh, specifically pull off Diablo Cody language, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. You're a jello. You're a jello. You're a green jello. green jello. It just felt so perfect for the movie and the moment. Yeah, I, I thought Megan Fox was really embodied the entire role. She was a very good, like, hot girl. Um, but like, she was also very like emotional. Like she was like kind of sad and really like needed, I mean, she needed attention, but she really needed the blood of young men, really. Um, (laughs) (laughs) but that's, but she, but she had feelings about it. She did. Oh yeah. 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 Did you find yourself empathizing with Megan Fox or with Jennifer? Totally. I, I, yeah, yeah. I like. I liked her. I thought she did some shitty things, like mass murder. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and she. You know, I thought she was like needlessly competitive and like petty. Right. But I also thought she was like so in her power for so much, so much of the movie, and just like a, ba- a, a little badass. You know. I also thought that was like. Uh, it all like that stuff stemmed from insecurity and like just rang really true for like a high school girl who's you know sort of pigeonholed into this role but is and you know and the actress too and but like is so much more than that and because I feel like every school had a had a Jennifer type girl who was that pretty you know who like had developed really early and who was extremely pretty but who probably had a lot of these insecurities because she's also 18 you know or 17 um and I really appreciated that because I think a lot of teen movies uh a lot of them cast much older or too young but I thought they had kind of a nice balance but it still played well with like the campiness of it all. I'm just, I'm definitely like the Amanda Seyfried of that French. Oh, me team. too. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Half ponytail, yeah. the glasses, and the sort. You know what I mean? <laughs> but like so, but also like still so hot. Though, <laughs> right. You know, like right. she's gorgeous. She yeah. And she was like she out of the two of them, she was the one with like a boyfriend and a healthy sex life. <laughs> you know, like yeah. Oh, man, did you guys love that wood paneling? Sorry, back to that sex scene. But did you love that wood paneling <laughs> in his bedroom? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. All about yeah, it. Yeah, that was also, like, weird memories of, like, I think I've been in that finished basement.
Colleen, you've mentioned to me, I know you're not a horror fan necessarily, but you like kind of campy stuff or comedy horror stuff. How did you find mm-hmm. the gore in this one? Or how did you find this as a horror movie? I didn't like it. I'm not a big fan of gore. <laughs> yeah, but but I love... I love like superhero like movies. Like I love su- like super like femme superhero shows. Like I love Buffy. I love Xena Warrior Princess. I love The Fifth Element. Like I love the strong female protagonist like jam. Like that's more my jam. So so the buildups um of the murder scenes were cool because you got to see her like really in her power and you got to see her using her seduction and like seeing like nature like pop off and that was that was interesting (laughs) like just like the divine feminine but I could I could really like truly just skip the gore it's not it's not my bag it's not my bag I had to look away a few times (laughs) Robin how how are you with gore I um honestly wanted more (laughs) there were like there were times when it cut away to like her and you know it was her the shadow of her ripping apart this dude and then you just see like the entrails later and I'm like okay but like that's like a real PG-13 move and this is an R-rated movie like we could have you know and I think probably um that was partly uh, because they didn't weren't given a whole ton of mo- money to do this and special effects were not you know whatever so um but yeah I could have used more gore <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great spectrum though between the two of you because I like that we can all come together over right. tampon jokes and strong women yes exactly love it the Venn diagram is real <laughs> how do you guys think the movie would have done if it came out like last year it's a good question because now i'm running through my mind like would megan fox still be in it would she be playing a high school (laughs) right well i mean i guess i guess my my thought is like after after so much so much has been dismantled in hollywood like so many truths have become exposed in hollywood since like weinstein and me too i don't know how well i think it i think that it would have been marketed differently um i think we would have I think it would have found the audience with young women. Um, I think it would have been more popular, but I don't know if it would have been as good. Does that make sense? Like, um, I think that for the bands and everything and the specific pop culture references they were making and that treatment, um, I think that it, I feel like it maybe had more impact uh, in subtle ways 11 years ago before before a lot of the news of these shitty dudes came out, you know, before it was a thing, I think like, because I think in 2009, we were maybe kind of having that conversation with like small circles of people, but it wasn't on a national stage. So I think if it came out last year, I think people would have liked it, but it might've been too like, too on the nose or something or too like, you know, I don't think it would have, I don't think it would have had as big of an impact. I think it would have been good, but not as not as strong of, of a message especially now giving it like 11 years of time to like grow and to be like oh she was saying this shit back then I think that's a strong yeah. impact right um, yeah it's like in that in that sense it's just so before it's time yeah it's yeah. it sucks though because yeah. and this is something that that both Kara and Kusama and Diablo Cody said is that like dudes and bands have been preying on 
young women for decades and decades and decades and and they they weren't seeking to make anything new like this was all common knowledge um i think that it it just wasn't a popular popular enough conversation in 2009 you know i you know grew up in the music scene around this a lot like you know joking about having gone to the melody lane or a version of that like that's very real and having like crushes on band dudes and following them around and getting into like band dude vans and especially being like a young a very young girl a young teen in these like kind of punk scenes or whatever like all of that I saw all the time and didn't question it when sort of a man is like I don't think I don't think this is a good situation but uh, Jennifer is just like, no, it's fine. I'm just going to go in this. I'm going to take these shots and I'm going to go in this van. Like I've been both of those people. And so I think like probably absorbing that subconsciously while watching this movie made more sense in my head later. You know, um, I did love low shoulder as a concept because I thought that they were exactly like whoever dressed them, whoever made that backdrop and the artwork for that band and the song that is like exactly a band from 2009, like a popular it, um, rock band. Yes, it is a band. From real, yeah, they were on Warner too. They, um, <laughs> I, I did look it up and Adam Brody is not singing. So the guy who is singing is a member of this band called Test Your Reflex. It was a real band at the time. Bad they Sorry. really, <laughs> they really uh-huh. wrote that song through the trees for the movie. And several backing members of the band are actually in the movie as backing members of the band. Um, the, the band member that speaks the most, second to Adam Brody, was an actor. But the rest of the band members were actual members of that band. Oh, they're really good at being that band. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I think they were. And Adam Brody was really good at being that guy. first badge is the Seth Cohen Award to Adam Brody (laughs) for being the most easily typecast like indie guy from the late 2000s like if you watch the OC I'm pretty sure that like his character in Jennifer's body is just like evil Seth Cohen (laughs) (laughs) if Seth Cohen really got into a band right I also have the teenage lunch award for the fried bologna sandwiches uh, which is a very small, small, small detail, and just like a side scene yes. when she's I noticed frying it, the bologna. Yeah. Right? I was just like, "That is what teenagers do. That's what I ate. I like <laughs> totally <laughs> ate fried bologna sandwiches." And then she drops half of it and just leaves it there. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for this... her ferret or something. <laughs> also, I wanted to give the happily ever after award for the most optimistic ending because I really love that Amanda Seyfried like. I loved her ending. I love that she sort of like got her revenge, es- like escaped out of the mental ward and sort of got to move on with her life. I thought that was really, it was very exciting. I was so happy for her. I was so happy for her. <laughs> <laughs> I have the, uh, the BF, but maybe not BFF badge <laughs> to uh, Needy and Jennifer for their uh, highly complicated, complex friendship that clearly doesn't last forever because Needy stabs Jennifer through the heart. (laughs) And uh, a perfect moment when Jennifer goes, my tit. (laughs) I know! 
That's another. <laughs> the meaty is like, really no, your heart. That delivery, though, my tech. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talene, do you have any badges you'd like to award Jennifer's body? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, is there a best quote badge? It's whatever you want. It's whatever you want. Oh, hell <laughs> yes. Hell yes. Okay. So best quote award goes to Adam Brody for, do you have any idea how hard it is to be in an indie band these days? <laughs> Oh because God, I dude. know, I know how hard it is. I know how hard it is. But I'm not out here like doing witchcraft on, you know, like innocent bystanders or my fans. Like, you know. Yeah. Talene, real talk. Would you sell your soul for, to the devil <laughs> to further your music career? No, but like he could borrow it for a day if he wanted to, maybe. Like, <laughs> no selling, no no exchange of goods and services. I like a, I, what came after that was when uh, he was like, Do you want to be, you know, lame and terrible or do you want to be awesome like the dude from Maroon 5? Oh my God! <laughs> and he has to think about it for a second. And, and then he says, yeah. yeah, yeah, Maroon 5. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, pick a better band, bro. <laughs> pick a better one. That was like... Talene, you are an incredible musician and artist. Tell us what you're working on or where we can find you on the internet. Awesome. Okay, so you could listen to my music on all platforms. Um, you could check me out on Spotify, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, uh, Apple Music, just about everywhere. And also at my Patreon at um, patreon.com slash Kali. I have uh, an album out called Soul Songs and a couple of really fun cover songs. And you can also check out my new project that I've been working on during quarantine called Changing. And you can find us on Spotify as well. We're so happy to talk to you about Jennifer's body. Thanks for coming on. Hell yeah. Peace. Pieces of Jennifer's body. (laughs) (laughs) Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, stars Yet Wen and Robin Zlotnick as the final girls of Bunk 237, and Chris Charpentier as camp director Chris. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Talene Kali. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a suggestion for a movie? Then follow us on Instagram at bunk237pod and Twitter at bunk237. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.